In today's show, we're talking about the Indiana Pacers in the 2021-2022 season for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're here to look at the Indiana Pacers from a fantasy perspective. We spoke from a local perspective with Tony East earlier on today, so go and check out that show. He had some really interesting things to say, which I'm going to reference some of them throughout this show as well, but let's talk paces. Let's talk uh, fantasy numbers. Let's talk right now, and let's start where we do with all of this with the schedule breakdown. Um, The paces have 51 quality games, which is a league average. They have 14 back-to-backs, which is uh, uh, above average. Now, in terms of back-to-backs, I say above average. The the distribution of back-to-backs is the most a team has is 15, and the fewest a team has is 12. So it's not a big difference, right? So if you, you're at 14, you're slightly above average, you're you're 12, you're right at the bottom, you're 15, you're right at the top. That's that's how the back-to-backs work. So they've got slightly higher um, back-to-backs. So the worry, I guess, you have there is Levert has been injury-prone. TJ Warren has been injury-prone in the past. I don't think they're just going to routinely sit those guys. Warren maybe for the first month of the season as he comes back from that fractured foot, but that was so long ago that I think he'll be okay. But as always, it's just about if someone does get hurt, Brogdon's another one of those guys who gets hurt a lot, do they have to miss time when they um, when they return? Their playoff schedule is not particularly good for default Yahoo, which is one that ends April 3rd. You can change your your ending date on Yahoo. It might end March 27th. That's great. It could end March 20th, which is what I recommend. But on the default Yahoo, which ends April 3rd, they have 10 games, a 3-3-4 schedule. That's pretty bad. The most a team has is 12, and 10 is obviously not great. In my recommended playoff, it's 10. They have 4-3-3, which is second highest. 11 is the most throughout those three weeks that I recommend. So it's not bad. So it does depend. So when you hear someone talk, oh, they've got a bad playoff schedule, it really depends on what your playoffs are and when your playoffs end and when they start to look into your own um, your own schedule. Dare I say, do your own research about what your league's playoff settings are before you go on taking advice from people who are saying they've got a good playoff schedule or a bad playoff schedule because it really does depend on how your league is set up and what week that they are ending because there is not a universal number across and the universal number, which is end of the season on ESPN and April 3rd on Yahoo, are, are the shittest ones. To, well, they're, they're pretty shit ones to you, so I wouldn't recommend um, using those ones at all. So... Let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the next thing we're going to talk about here for these Indiana Pacers, and we're going to look at pressure points. So, what can impact projections? That's that's what we're talking about when we're talking pressure points. The Miles Turner trade is one of the big things. Obviously, if he gets dealt, that changes a lot. It puts someone like O'Shea Brissett into a potential starting role. Maybe it puts TJ Warren as the starting power forward and you get Justin Holiday back starting. It opens things up a little bit more for DeMontis Sabonis. It helps Miles Turner, most likely, who might play 34 minutes a night at a new team and really, really elevate. But that could throw so much out of whack. It puts you know, the dart, Gogo Badadze, into, uh, into play for deeper leagues. Problem with my Gogo Mobile. Gogo Mobile. 
No, not the da. Not the da. Yeah, that's that's something there that could happen. And also with Turner, as we spoke about with Turner, uh, Turner with Tony earlier today, is that with the fact that the defensive scheme the Pacers ran last season allowed Miles Turner to just get an absolute shitload of blocks. If Carlisle actually has a proper defensive scheme, we probably won't see Turner's numbers be that high. So there's so much fluctuation and variability with Turner. That's why I'm always a little bit cautious about drafting him. The other worry, I think, with the projections is TJ McConnell. We saw Bjorkren lean on him a lot, and he was really, really awesome. He was like a top 70 player, amazingly, last year for fantasy on the strength of high assists and high steals. If Brogdon, Levert, Warren are all healthy, TJ may not be able to play the 26 minutes a night that he played last year. He might not get six and a half, seven assists per game or two steals, and his value could really tumble. So how Carlisle views him, does he view him as a guy that plays 26 or does he view him as a J.J. Brea, Jalen Brunson who plays 19 or 20 minutes coming off the bench? Yeah, I'd be really hesitant to draft TJ McConnell in, in most situations just because of the uncertainty of how he gets used. And we're assuming decent health for those starters. He's not going to have those minutes. And then Warren's health is, is a big question mark, of course. Not only did he miss basically all of last season with that fractured foot, he's had mystery concussions when he played for Phoenix, mystery ankle injuries when he's played for Phoenix. He has had significant injuries, and he always seems, and this is not shade towards him at all because everyone's body reacts differently, but he always seems to take a little bit longer to recover from injuries than the average time frame. That's nothing, that's no fault of his own. That's just how people's bodies work. And that is somewhat of a concern, I think, about where TJ Warren sits in terms of his fantasy value. Because you do have to, you do have to have some level of worry um, into uh, into where he sits with those uh, with those injuries, because it is a uh, legitimate concern. It can also be a legitimate concern if you suffer from excessive sweating. Nobody wants that embarrassing feeling of knowing that your underarms are wet, and then you've got to lift your arm up to point at a board in a meeting, like I could be pointing back here. And then people can see a giant swimming pool. I can see like this giant s- salty mess under my arm. Sweat blocks is the answer. Doctor created, doctor recommended. They also have the dry shirt guarantee. So if it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back, which is awesome. And you can get these at a 20% discount now at sweatblock.com. Sweatblock wipes. Oh, so you got to use that promo code locked on. Forgot to tell you that. Sweatblock wipes. You put it on, you wipe your underarms or wherever else you've got sweaty issues before you go to bed. You wake up the next morning, you have your wash, you go off to work, you go off to school, you go off to sit on your couch because you're in lockdown, whatever it is, and then you're covered for up to seven days. Maybe in a really extreme situation, you've got to put it on twice a week, but these are some of the most highest strength clinical antiperspirants you can find. So go to sweatblock.com, use the promo code locked on and save 20%. It's also at Amazon, it's also at CVS, but hey, save 20%. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You watch your highlights on your phone, and then you've got your neighbor's password login for the other good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirectTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content content varies by package. All right, let's look at breakout candidates. It was hard to find a real breakout candidate on this team. I'm going to go with O'Shea Brissett, but with a giant caveat. 
He was really good at the end of last season, blocking a shit ton of shots, hitting threes at a high level. We saw in summer league that maybe he's not that good of a three-point shooter as his first season in the NBA um, when he was playing for Toronto indicated. But there is an opportunity there. If they do decide to trade Miles Turner, Brissett could move into the starting lineup and he could become a really valuable starting power forward. He showed definite flashes, at least to be a rotation player. Do not expect him to do what he did down the stretch last season unless some moves or injuries happen. But in terms of looking at, you know, Justin Holiday or TJ McConnell or Jeremy Lamb coming off the bench, like these guys don't have breakout potential, I don't think. And I'm not including rookies in breakout candidates. So I think Brissett has to be has to be that number one option there that you can uh, consider. Yeah, I wouldn't be, again, I wouldn't be getting too high on it, but it is he's a name to watch, especially if an injury or if one of these moves do go down with uh, in terms of trades and, uh, and that sort of stuff with the paces, that there is a potential for him to have um, a larger impact or impact similar to last season. But again, like Miles Turner and his blocks that I talked about with Bjorkren before, yeah, Brissett probably benefited a little bit from that also. So I wouldn't be expecting the hyper high level of blocks that he was able to put up in the back half of last season. I might expect that one uh, to somewhat reduce this season under a new head coach in Rick Carlisle. Let's look at some fantasy sleepers now. Um, there's, there's a few that we need to look at. Let's start with Chris Duarte. Now, I think Duarte could be a rotation player. Tony thinks he's in that 10-man rotation. I don't think he necessarily is every night to begin the year. I also don't think he's going to have anywhere near a role to large enough to have an impact in standard leagues, but he's ranked 582nd on Yahoo. He's not ranked at all on ESPN, and he's 812th on Fantrax. I think Duarte can be a guy that impacts 20 and 18-team leagues. And if there are injuries to Levert or Brogdon, yeah, he could step into a larger role. He put up some really, really good defensive numbers in Summer League, which is very interesting. He is old as shit. We know that. But if you can provide good shooting with defensive stats, there is something to look at there. And those, those ranking numbers, they're just way off. Like, he just isn't someone who's going to be that far down the list, I wouldn't have thought. Now, his ADP on Yahoo's 134. Now, I don't see what the point of that is. There's no upside in taking him there. But in terms of 16, 18, 20-team leagues, there is something there for Duarte. Miles Turner is an interesting one. Last season, Turner was the 42nd-ranked player in category leagues. In points leagues, he's obviously nowhere near as good. He was ranked 63rd in points leagues last year. But his current numbers, are, are, are they're whack. Look what's going on. He's 133rd on ESPN. He's 104th on Fantrax. I don't understand what's going on there. To me, Turner is a guy you look at as a fifth or sixth round guy. Again, be really cautious about drafting him with what he did last year because of that chance of those blocks going down, as I say all the time. If he goes from 3.4 blocks to 2.7 blocks, 2.7 blocks still leads the league, but it's not 3.4, and it's a massive drop in fantasy value. But that doesn't mean you pick him at 133 or 104. He's a sixth or seventh round guy, probably more 7th or 8th in points leagues, but should not be in that area where those current rankings have him. Well, TJ Warren's at 108 on ESPN. He's at 80 on Yahoo, which is probably fair. There is risk associated with him before. I think 108 is probably a little bit too low. And in fact, TJ Warren's ADP on ESPN is 125. So people are going even further back. And I think that's a really a really big steal. While on Fantrax, you've got to scroll all the way down at 467. Now, someone left a comment on my YouTube video the other day saying, Josh, why these Fantrax rankings are so whack? Why don't you use another source for rankings? And here's my explanation. I'm not using these rankings to tell me how good a player is. 
I'm not looking at them and going, well, Fantrax is obviously wrong because Miles, you know, whoever the, the rookie is, Cade Cunningham's not the 900th best player. These rankings are obviously wrong. I'm not using these rankings to tell me how good a player is. I ignore that bullshit. I have no interest in those rankings whatsoever because I know how good I think players are. I do my own projections. But the important part of having these and having those numbers here is because you draft on Yahoo, you draft on ESPN, and you draft on Fantrax. They are the three biggest sites. CBS probably comes in fourth and then Sleeper after that. But you know, I don't think Sleeper is very, very limited and CBS is not many people use. All right, so the reason I have to include Yahoo, ESPN, and Fantrax, even though the Fantrax wank- wankings, maybe they are wankings, even though they're all over the shop, you need to know because if you're drafting there and you go and you're looking at the queue and you're looking at maybe the top 20 players there and TJ Warren doesn't appear to number 464, you need to know to scroll down to get him into your queue. You need to know that that's where these players are lying. It's not that, that I think they're, they're so stupid that their rankings are so out of whack and therefore they deserve no... Um, Credence, because we're not looking at the rankings to tell us how good a player is. We're looking at a ranking to tell us, hey, how may others view this, or how how a player may slip through the cracks, or which player do you want to make sure you don't avoid getting auto-drafted with, because they're sitting at number three on the list when they're really the 30th best player. That's why they're included, despite how weird those numbers are. ESPN rankings can be weird as shit as well. There's some strange Yahoo ones too, but they've got to be mentioned because these are the places that we, where you draft your leagues and you need to know where the players are currently situated on those auto-draft lists. I think that is uh, vitally important for fantasy, personally. Let's look at some busts. Now, I said Miles Turner was a fantasy sleeper on ESPN. But again, it depends on where you draft. Because on Yahoo, he's at 38. He was 42nd last year. And if you erroneously want to include turnovers in that number, he's much higher. But this is assuming, again, that he blocks 3.4 shots and yeah, he, he does what he did last year. I just think that there is so much bust potential in taking him at 38. He might beat it. And again, I don't know. I don't know everything. I don't know. I, I can't predict the future anywhere close to 100% accuracy because literally nobody can. But the way that I try and do things is look at what's the possibilities, how does it all balance out with the team, where is there room for uh, failure, and where is there a high room for failure. And if Turner, again, if Turner blocks two and a half shots, he's nowhere near that. He's nowhere near 38. Now, something weird could happen, and Rick Carla might say, Miles, we're going to put the ball in your hand the whole game, and you're going to be our high usage guy. It seems impossible, but who knows? That could happen, and then he could come out and average 18 points with 10 boards and three blocks and three threes, and then someone will come back and go, Josh, you said he was a bust at 38, but he was actually 20th. That's all well and good. That shit happens, but it's about trying to work out the probabilities of that stuff happening, and I just think taking him at 38 um, just kills any upside value you might get at all. Justin Holiday on fan tracks, he's at 78th. That's insanity. Look, he's going to be coming off the bench and he's not going to have no chance of playing the role. I don't think that he did last year. Yahoo's got him at 160th. I don't even think he's a top 200 player this year. That's why I've got that Yahoo number there. Now, if you want to take a flyer on him with a last pick, sure. But again, it's going to require an injury. Warren Laverde and Brogdon are all injury prone, so one of those guys might get hurt, but it's going to take an injury. Then it's going to take Holiday getting in there, and then it's going to take him getting really high steals and high three-pointers to even get get close to being a top 150 guy. I just don't value him as a fantasy guy. Um, he was 157th last year in 30 minutes a night. That's why I think that 160 is ridiculous because he's not going to get 30 minutes a night, assuming regular health. Karis Levert's at 51 on ESPN. Um, now, Levert, I'll put it this way, in a points league, that's totally fine. I've got no problem with Levert there. But in a category league, he is a subpar field goal and subpar free throw guy, so that hurts him. They're bad in both percentages. 
He's not normally a um, a particularly high three-point volume guy, and he's going to have to share usage with Brogdon, Sabonis, and Warren. So he was, what, 58th last year in a category league? I just think playing a full season with Warren and with Brogdon, Turner, Sabonis, it's going to be hard for him to get back to that level where he was getting significantly high usage towards the end of last season. Now, he could easily beat it. I just don't think there's upside in taking him at that area. And then on ESPN, again, another crazy one. Sabonis is at 11. Sabonis was 15th last year, but let's just throw it out again. He didn't have TJ Warren. He didn't have a slower-paced coach in Rick Carlisle. He had um, Miles Turner get injured. We didn't have Karis Levert for a full season. He was putting up huge, huge numbers. There is absolutely zero doubt about that. Sabonis was great. But to me, you saw in my mock draft, I took him at the turn at the second round. I think you could even go a little bit earlier than that if you wanted to. Yeah, he averaged 2012 and 7 last year. Subpar free throws as well. Yeah, I think that he's like a 18 to 25 sort of player this season for category leagues. And points leagues where he was the 10th ranked player last year, I think he's more of a you know, 14 to 20 sort of player. I just don't expect that level of production from him. Um, and picking him at number 11, I just I, there are plenty of guys that I would have ahead of DeMontis Sabonis at number 11. It just feels like you are taking him at absolute peak, best case scenario. I don't expect him to get better than he was last season. So therefore, why would I take him at a ranking spot higher than where he was? It just doesn't make, uh, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. To me, but hey, that's uh, that's me. Guys, Built Bar, it is the best tasting protein bar ever. Have you had a Built Bar? And if you have, what's your favorite flavor? You can drop that in the comments in the video if you want, but, or you can keep it to yourself because there are so many great options out there. Cook, cookies and cream, coconut, orange, raspberry, strawberry, mint brownie, and the limited edition flavors they throw. But it's not just about the taste with Built Bar. It is also about how good for you they are. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, and four to five grams of net carbs. And you can also get these at a discount, 15% off by using the promo code LOCKED15. Surely you've had Built Bar by now. Go and go and get some if you haven't. LOCKED15 saves you 15% off at built.com for the best tasting protein bar ever. Football season is right around the corner. We're like a week away from the NFL regular season. College football has begun and it begins in earnest this weekend. And the best place to place your bets is Bet Online. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Be sure also to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, you get your bet refunded up to $25 for new customers who sign up online using the code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, or even your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait. Get in and take advantage of all of their offers for the 2021 season now. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's look at some deep league flyers for the Pacers. Um, 
I already talked about how I don't want Justin Holiday at that fan tracks number or at that Yahoo number, but his role is fairly solid. So in a deep league situation, he's got that value. I think Brissett and Duarte are more of those flyer types that maybe if there are injuries or trades or Jeremy Lamb does move on, which has been rumored here from the Pacers, or Miles Turner is traded, that Brissett can go into that yeah, larger role. There is some upside by having them as flyers. I don't love them as last picks in standard leagues. None of those three, Holiday, Duarte, or Brissett, but they are good deeper league players with upside especially in the Duarte Brissett situation to really take on a larger role. And Holiday, yeah, one injury, then he steps into a larger role there as well. I wouldn't say his upside is particularly high, but he is a guy that we can take a look at in that area. Um, let's go on to the last thing of this show, and let's talk about the rest of the guys on this squad. We haven't spoken much about Malcolm Brogo Brogdon. Last season, Brogdon was the 49th ranked player. Um, his rank on Yahoo is 46. On ESPN, it's 48. I think it's a little bit high. Personally, I reckon he's more of a fifth or sixth round guy in the 60 to 70 type range. Again, we're trying to incorporate another high usage player and Brogdon might be the guy that has to take a step back. So I wouldn't be investing in him with a top 50 pick. I just, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think again, in uh, in points leagues, he was the 39th ranked player last year. I wouldn't be going anywhere near that high. To me, he's, again, in that 60 to 70 type range. A good point guard in that area for sure, but I wouldn't want to go into the top 50 with an injury-prone risk and the, the the new coach slowing the tempo down and the return of TJ Warren. So he's not someone that I'm particularly excited about at that area. Jeremy Lamb was really poor last season, I thought, and probably a chance to not be in the rotation or to get traded. No fantasy value there. I still really like the dart, Gogo Badadze. Problem with my Gogomobile. Gogomobile. No, not the da. Not the da. But it does feel like that his role in Indiana is not really all that clear with Sabonis and Turner and now the the drafting guys, Isaiah Jackson. I'm still looking at Goga as a really good dynasty option because I do think that he is traded and could really... Look, if he starts at some point, he's going to be a top 80 fantasy guy, I think, at his peak. But it's just finding it hard to see how that happens in Indiana. Tory Craig, they signed. He's a terrible fantasy player. Edmund Sumner probably squeezed out of the rotation. Keelan Martin had some good moments last year, but he's so way down the list that it's hard to get excited there. While Isaiah Jackson, great summer league numbers, but at this point, he's the fourth center behind Sabonis, Turner, and Badadze. I think at some point, he does get cleared out, and he does have really good fantasy skill set. A high block, high field goal percentage guy, maybe some stretchability there. He is a guy, much like Goga, that I'd be investing long-term into him, into dynasty formats, but I wouldn't be getting too excited about what he does this year. And then there are two two-way guys, Dijon Giroux and Dwayne Washington Jr. I don't think there's anything particularly exciting about those guys that we need to be uh, paying massive amounts of attention to. That'll do it for today's show, guys. Um, thank you for watching. Also, don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app while on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. There are so there are so many videos. There's so much content coming. I hope you are checking out all of it. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>